Well, welcome to week three of our Roman series, and why Romans? You may ask that question. I, um, as I was preparing and walking through our Brace Yourself series and preparing my heart to what the Lord would have us to walk through, Romans just kept coming to the top of my spirit. And, and I believe the reason why is because Romans helps us to form our faith. It helps us to form our faith, and, and especially in these, in these times, we're going to need to be able to explain our faith to defend our faith. And we're, more important, we're going to need to own our faith. It's not the faith of your parents or your grandparents or your spouse or even your pastor. It's got to be a faith that you own, that you have wrapped your heart around. Because I believe this, if you can't own it, you can't defend it. And if you can't defend it, then you're going to be ashamed of it. There's going to be times that your faith is going to be criticized. It's going to be questioned more and more. It probably already has. Mine has. Absolutely. And so you've got to be able to stand and be able to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going, he, he takes this whole letter. This is a letter to the, to the Christians in Rome. And he's going to take this whole letter and explain it and to defend his faith. And not only his faith, but to where the Christians in Rome are able to defend their faith. But more importantly, they had to read the letter. They had to be able to own it. And my encouragement to you is to be able to own your faith. In week one, we talked about how people have denied God as creator. When people deny God as creator, I mean, how can you look at creation and, and deny God? You can't. There are scientists who have, who have dug deeper into the, the science of creation that they have realized there's no way this is an accident. There's no way. And they've, they, many have actually come to Christ uh, because of that. And so, but there are people walking around this world who have denied God as creator of all. And if you deny God as creator, then you basically deny that God even exists. And if God doesn't exist, then he is not there to, to provide for your needs, for you to lean upon, for you to depend upon. And so because of that, man becomes God. Man takes care of his or her own problems. And that is a problem. You know, the, the biggest problem that Paul introduces in chapter one is our need for salvation. We have a need for salvation. And he, he talks about people who have, who have fallen into sin and God has even allowed them to just walk in their unrighteousness. But then in chapter two, as we learn, he's not only just talking to the, to the unbelievers, but he's talking to those who are Christians, those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ to not judge. Who are we to set ourselves up as the supreme judges in God's court? God doesn't need other judges. He's fine just by himself. He doesn't need a court. He is the court, and he is the judge. Whether we set ourselves up as, as, as a judge to, to those walking in sin, or maybe we use our Christian privilege as a way to show our righteousness, or maybe we walk in, in hypocrisy, or as I shared last week, as a Christian atheist, someone who believes in God but lives like he doesn't exist. Whatever it is, we show that we are just as bad as those people that Paul mentions in Romans chapter one. And so... Today, we're, we're going to move from the problem, because Paul, Paul gets it going from the beginning, right from the beginning. It's kind of like when you, when you watch a movie, and, and, and at the movie, you see a very climatic event 
that happens at the movie. It's like, whoa, what an incredible way to start this movie. And you're like, I wonder what it's going to happen from there. And, and so Paul dives into it big time in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 and on into chapter 3. And in verse 21 of chapter 3, there's a pivot. There's a switch. He focuses rather not on the problem, but on the provision. The provision. We turn from the problem to the provision. There is a way to be righteous in the eyes of God through faith in Christ to all who believe. You and I cannot be righteous, okay? We can't on our own strength, but only if we believe can we be seen as righteous. So we're going we're gonna to be in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 23 is what I want to uh, focus on first. So 21, but now apart from the law... There's our pivot, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this but now word, these two, these two words, could be, the most important words in this letter to Rome, okay? Rather than focus on the problem, here's a provision, but now. So something crucial has changed in human history with this right here. Something has changed in human history. We have, de- uh, they used to depend on their own works, their own acts of righteousness to be in a right relationship with God, The thing none of us could live up to, which is God's righteousness has now been manifested or made known apart from the law, okay? The old way of of the Jewish life, of of, uh, obeying all the, 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 uh, everything that's in the law, circumcision, all of those things, those outward signs that, that show a sort of a sense of, of a righteousness. Paul would go on to say there is hope. When we place our faith in Jesus, God gives us credit for his righteousness and receives Jesus' payment on our behalf. There is a path, there is a path to righteousness of God which does not require us to keep God's law. That's important. There is a path to righteousness of God which does not require us to keep God's law. All men, all men, all women, everyone, we are all sin in our lives. We have all sin. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or not. I, I was born on Saturday in church on Sunday, and I miss a few Sundays, yes, but let me tell you, I've been in church literally all my life, and I'm a pastor Guess what? I can sin. Absolutely. You can sin. And so, um, so our own righteousness, our own good, good works does not lead us to a sense of righteousness to God. He goes on to say, verse 24 through 26, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, that's a key word, 
through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness all at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So let me explain this. Our sin held us captive, okay? Our sin will hold us captive. Jesus paid that price when he died on the, uh, for our sin on the cross. He received, Jesus received God's full anger of judgment on, uh, of our sin on his body. So your sin Sins of the past, present, and future. God took his judgment, his anger of sin, and just put it on Jesus. Put it on his son. The key word in this is atonement. You know, this is the same word used when God gave instructions to Noah about what to cover the ark. You know, the ark with the, you know, animals two by two, and they were saved through the flood. So this same word, atonement, is the same uh, word that he used to describe how he should cover the ark with tar and with pitch in order to save. It, if, that wasn't, if the boat was not covered with that, it would not have survived the flood. It had to have been covered with that. Noah was to cover it with that to save the ark from the judgment of God. The ark is a symbol of God's salvation and the atonement are covering from God's judgment. The blood of Jesus Christ covers our sin. That's why we, that's why we use that. Just like the, the tar and the pitch cover the ark. The blood of Jesus covers our sins from what? The judgment of God. Paul shows that this includes the sins of the past what we just read, before Christ died on the cross. He writes that God passed over those previous sins in an act of divine patience and perfect timing. Again, it's, it's not that God failed to, to punish those old sins. Yes, those old sins in the past have been punished of long ago. It's that he stored up his punishment and poured out on Jesus to fully satisfy the payment to those former sins. Again, like I said earlier, he took his judgment of all past sins, present and future, and just poured it on his son, Jesus. That's why God turned his face. That's why God turned his face. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was, he was covered with all of the sins of mankind. Let's go on to read about the implications of God's righteousness in verse 27 through 31. Where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No. So not the old ways, not the old law, not keeping with everything in, in the Levitical law of, of that Moses wrote, no, because of the law that requires what? Faith. 
because of the new. He's, he's talking about the new covenant, the new way, which is by faith. And we're going to get more into faith here in just a moment. No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is it God, the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So up until Jesus... Let me unpack that a little bit. Up until Jesus, the people showed an outward sign that they followed God through what was called circumcision and following the laws of Moses. All of the, all of the Levitical laws, I mean, everything they, they followed, everything was outward sign. They showed this is an outward sign of, what, of, of, of my choice to follow God. Once Jesus came to die for our sins, it's about having a relationship with Jesus and following him, not about following religious rules. So it's not about following those religious rules anymore. It's about following a person, okay? It's about following a person, a relationship. It's not about our works. It's not about what we do. If that were so, there would be reasons to boast. That's why he says, where then is a boasting? You can't boast, okay? Are you gonna boast for your righteous acts? Have you been perfect this week? I have not been perfect this week. I can't boast that I've lived a perfect, sinless life this week. I can't boast for that. But what I can boast is my faith in Jesus Christ and his grace that saved me. Obeying rules is the result of a relationship with Jesus. So, again, it's not, a, it's not anymore about the outward sign, such as circumcision and following the Jewish code and the law and those kind of things. It's not about that to make an inward change. It's about an inward change that is shown on the outside. It's from the inside out, an inward change of accepting Jesus Christ, and then things on the outside are effective. It's totally swapped around. Old Testament, Old Covenant, outward signs show that maybe there's an inward change, but now it's flipped backwards or inside out. It's an in, inside change that shows on the outside. It's kind of like, like household rules in our house. You know, we, we want our kids to submit to us for the household rules. I mean, it, it's, one of the, it's one of the biggest conversations that happens in our house every day. Like, who's doing the dishes? Well, I did them last time. We can't even assign days, and it still gets messed up. I'm like, well, I can't do this day because I'm, I'm working. Well, that makes sense. Well, who's going to do the dishes, you know? Who's, who's going to take care of things? And so it, it's every day, and every once in a while, we'll have one of our children, and it varies. 
one of our children who maybe the breath of God has come into their lungs and they're just like, you know what? I'll take care of the dishes. And they go and they just take care of the dishes. Or they don't even say anything. They just do it. They just get up from, guess what? Watching television with no one telling them. And they get up and as they go and as I watch them, I say, that is a person of righteousness. They are washing the dishes. Okay? Of course, as a husband, if I'm washing the dishes without being told, it's not just righteousness, but it's romantic righteousness, right? That's, I score big ones on that one. But it, it, so instead of forcing our kids, you must do this, you must do this, get at their heart. And we don't always do this, we try. Get at the heart of who they are from the inside out to where maybe they will do some of the stuff on their own. If you come to our house, we got dirty dishes. A lot of evil people living in our house that week, right? But, you know, uh, and it's the same with husbands and, and, and wives as well. You know, they'll, they'll naturally submit to one another if a loving relationship exists. I see so many marriages, they try to work on the outside first. They, they're trying to focus on the outside, the symptoms of a bigger problem. The bigger problem's not on the outside, the bigger problem's on the inside. So let's get to the inside. Let's talk about love, not romantic love. Let, let's talk about love and caring and submitting to one another, just as the Bible talks about and treating them like you would want to be treated, so on and so forth. Many people think Christianity is a bunch of rules. It is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is not active in your, in your heart and your life, then guess what? Your Christianity will be just a bunch of rules. But if Jesus and the Spirit is active and alive inside of you, guess what? You're gonna want to obey the rules. You're gonna want to do, live for Jesus. You're gonna want to do what the Bible says naturally. In fact, if the Spirit really is alive in you and the Spirit is the, is the same Spirit that wrote this book, guess what? You're gonna be living a life, you're gonna be living some things and obeying some things that you didn't even know were in the Bible. You will. It's like you'll be reading, it's like, Wow, I didn't know that was in there. Good thing I've been doing that, <laughs> right? Why? Because you're in love with Jesus. It's about a relationship. And this, is, this is what Paul is saying. It's like, no, it's not about the works. Your faith is not built on your outward things that you do. It's about Jesus and the relationship you have with him. The result is obedience and righteousness because of Jesus. So let's get into chapter four. We're going to do all of chapter four. Let's go mosey on into chapter four. Chapter four, Paul then uses an example. We're going to use an example. And the person he's actually going to use two examples. But the biggest example is a person called Abraham. Now, Abraham is, is where all this got started. I mean, yeah, Adam and Eve, Noah, yes. But really, 
the, 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 the Israelites, the, the, the Jewish people, it all started with Abraham and how God called him. So let's read chapter 4. We're going to do verses 1 through 5 first. And it says this, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this manner? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What was credited as righteousness? He believed in God. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. So when you work a job, your boss ain't giving you that money as a gift. Oh, here you go. Here's a free gift. What? I work for that. That's an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Their faith is credited as righteousness. So, if Abraham was justified by works, then he had reason to boast. But he was not justified by works. Okay? He So he had no reason to boast. You know, people like to work to receive something, okay? Especially, and I'm just going to talk to the guys here. Men, it's really hard. It's really difficult for us to receive something as a gift and us not to want to do something in return. Ladies can do it so much easier. You girls give each other gifts all the time, and there's no, oh, I need to pay you for that. It's like, oh, thank you. That's awesome. I love you. You know. But men, you know, if you give me something, I'm going to want to pay you for that or at least like barter you, barter something for that or whatever or go do something in return. It's just our natural way. It's very difficult for a man. And I think that's one reason why it's difficult for men in general. Boys, I'm talking to you. Teenagers, I'm talking to you. It's difficult for men to receive the free gift of salvation because we want to feel obligated to pay something. Or it's like, you, you can't just give me that out of nothing. Maybe you're watching online and you, you've maybe have heard about this free gift of salvation. And you're like, man, I, 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 need, to, I need to pay something for that. There's no way that this is free. We want to earn something that has been given to us. But God is saying that believing or having faith in him, we just read this, credits us with righteousness, even more than works. When we have a job, we get paid. That paycheck is not a gift. It is what our employer owes us in exchange for our work. Clearly, we can't demand that God owes us salvation. We can't demand that God owes us salvation on the basis of our works. 
We can't go to God and say, God, you owe me your son Jesus and he needs to die because I have been a good person. You owe that to me. That's a very dangerous place to be. And so, because our works, our own self-righteousness is as filthy rags compared to God's holiness. So first and foremost, as Paul has already demonstrated, none of us can earn being declared righteous by God. There are people trying to work good into their lives in order to what? To present themselves before a holy God. And they are frustrated because their works are not bringing a sense of righteousness. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in this world. As I explain to them what I do, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and, and of course I, I share as best I can through relationships what Jesus has done in my life. Just tell my story, which, by the way, it's a testimony, and that's really the best way you can share faith in Jesus Christ. It's just share your story, what God has done for you. And so as I share my story, I, I get people all the time say, well, I'm just not good enough for that. And I try to tell them, you're right. <laughs> you're awful. You are awful. I'm awful. And that's exactly how God wants to receive you. God wants to receive you dirty. God wants to receive you dirty. It's kind of like a mother and an infant child, okay? I mean, I have done my share of diaper changes in the past, but I'm never excited about changing a fully loaded, seeping out the end diaper. I'm, I'm, I'm never excited about that. And I'm not saying that Suzanne was ever excited, but she seems excited because it doesn't matter what that baby has done. She's like, oh, it's so good. Oh, you're so, and just talking. I, I am moving as far away from that child as possible and praying that he or she does not fall off of, the, of wherever I've set this child, okay? I will use anything possible, a, a water hose, a leaf blower, whatever it takes. I will do that. I'm not excited, okay? And I hope that that child doesn't really sense that. But I'm sure when Susanna changes the diaper, they're smiling. They're so, to me, they're just always looking at me like with these big wide eyes, thinking, what am I going to do? Am I, am I in good hands here? You know, God loves to receive you like a mother receiving a dirty, diapered child. Messy. The child can't change his own diaper. He can't. There's no way. And neither can you. You can't change your own diaper. You can't. You, you have to, and, and, and it's kind of embarrassing, to be quite honest. It's embarrassing. And, and, and that, is, that is where pride gets, gets put aside, and then we walk in humility towards the cross. That's why it's important that pride 
can't get in the way of someone receiving Jesus. If pride is there, oh, if he, he, can't, he can't accept me. I got all this stuff leaking out. This is awful. I, this is embarrassing. I can't, know. there's just no way. And guess what? God can't change it. He can't. You have to come to God with your big smelly self of sin. You do. And if not, that's pride. That's pride. It's okay. God knows you're stinky. God knows you're lousy. God knows it better than anybody. And he loves you just the same. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? He loves you. Not only does he love you, but he likes you. You and I, if, for those who have kids, there are days when, man, we, I mean, we love our kids, but sometimes, I don't like that one right now. That one, I don't like that one. You know? We love them, but we don't like them. God not only loves you, but he, he likes you. He does, even with your stinky, smelly self. So, Don't walk with the understanding that you have got to pay for your salvation. He even uses David in verses six through eight. King David, he talks about this one as an example. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Blessed is another word of saying gift. Blessed is one. It's a gift. Forgiveness can't be earned only given. You may say, oh, let me earn your forgiveness. You might try to earn somebody's forgiveness, but to be quite honest, that is a free gift, bro. That's a free gift that someone has given you based upon what you've done to them, and they give that forgiveness. There's nothing you've done to earn that. That is a free gift. Paul rejects the idea that we pay off our own sins by doing good works. We can't. We can't pay our sins by good works. It doesn't work like that. So let's read on. Verses 9 through 12. As this blessedness only for the circumcised, or is this blessedness only for the circumcised, or only for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? That's a really good question. So in other words, was, is it, was it before he made the outward change or after he made the outward change? Verse 11, and he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised, so for those Gentiles, not Jews, who are Christians, in order that righteousness might be credited to them, and he is then also the father of the circumcised, the Jews, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. 
So you don't have to have a sign that you are a good person before you believe in Jesus. You don't have to have a sign that you're a good person before you believe in Jesus. Now, it's one thing to be a, what is called a seeker, someone who's seeking the truth. They're seeking. They, they feel like there's something inside them speaking to them, knocking gently on their heart's door, and they are then going, maybe they attend church, or maybe they go to FCA, or maybe there's a Bible study, or maybe they, they follow someone kind of secretly online, a video or, or a sermon, or someone's blog, and they're seeking. If someone's really seeking the Lord, then they're seeking righteousness. But, but someone doesn't have to, like, well, I, I've got to start attending church before I accept Jesus Christ as Savior. I've got I to gotta get some, some things right before I, I start to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. It's not... We don't start with the sin. We start with the need for salvation. Now, conviction of sin is something that leads us to our salvation, and the kindness of God is what leads us to salvation, yes. But when we talk to people, we just need to, we, we, we should never start with the sin. Oh, you need to accept Jesus because you live this way, or you believe this way, or you vote this way. No. You need Jesus. Because right now, you're on your way to hell, and that's a fact. And they, they have a need for salvation to be saved from hell. Let's not, let's not start with the sin. Let's not start with the outer things. Let's, let's start with the, the, the biggest thing in our heart. We need to turn our hearts toward Jesus. And then guess what? That's going through the power of the Holy Spirit, that is then going to affect the things on the outside. This is, this is what Paul is saying. It's like baptism. Many people think they need to be baptized to wash away their sins. There's nothing in that water that's special, okay? Okay, Carrie Underwood sings, there's something in the water, there's nothing in the water, Okay? Water's water. It's just H2O. You're just getting wet. Now, here's the most important thing about baptism is that you show that you are not ashamed of what Jesus has done in your heart. So you show that, and it's an outward sign of an inward change, just like my wedding ring. I'm still married. I put this ring aside. I'm still married. Why? Because someone has my heart. Someone has my heart. It has nothing to do with this ring. This ring is just an outward sign of an inward change. This does not make me married. You can put this on your finger. doesn't mean you are married to my wife. Okay? This right here, just an outward sign of an inward change. Same with baptism. Okay? Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. And so as you are baptized, immersed fully in water, at a point where you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you are telling others that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean, oh, I got to get baptized. I got people, they're, they're kind of thinking of it backwards. I got I to get right, and I got to get baptized. Then I'll accept Jesus. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. 
It's kind of a, use the illustration of a, the difference between like an Eagle Scout and, and, and a tree. For example, in order for a, a young, young man or boy to become an Eagle Scout, he must earn badges or signs. So a, a Christian faith doesn't work like this. It's more like a tree. A full-grown oak tree is an oak tree even when it is very, very small and just a little sprout coming up out of the ground. This is still an oak tree. Whether it's this size or whether it's 100-something years old with huge branches that stretch far and wide. And so, just like that tree is still an oak tree, you are a Christian at the beginning of your faith journey, not after you do certain things or earn certain badges. Now, I need, to, I need to grow some more branches, then I'll be an oak tree. I need to grow a little bit taller, then I'll be an oak tree. No. I need to, I need to be a, a, get some things right, or I need to do certain things in order to show that I'm, I'm a Christian. That's not the way to think. The way for you to grow as an oak tree, stronger and taller and fuller with strength, is to dig roots down into the Word of God, into time with the Lord, in fellowship with other believers, stepping out on faith with, with things that God has called walking in obedience, using a life of sanctification, which is working out your salvation with fear and trembling, becoming like God, and repentance, turning away from the things and walking this way, okay? And all, you're able to walk in repentance and sanctification because of the work that Jesus is doing in your life. So it's not about the outward sign. It's about what's happening on the inside. So let's close this out starting with verse 13. We'll go 13 to the end. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For those who depend on the law are heirs. Faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, Jew and Gentile, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gave, gives life to the dead and calls unto uh, being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. 
so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Verse 22. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So the key, what I just read here, the key verse is verse 21. The key verse, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham, and it says the next verse, that was why it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was in a situation where God promised, look, you're gonna be the father of many nations. And you look up the, the stars in the sky, and we can, we can get in, into this. We actually did this in, when I talked about Abraham um, in my series with Abraham. But the stars in the sky represented not only the Jews, but the, the church. It was about not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And so God promised Abraham, look, you're going to be the father of, of many nations, of a great nation. And, but you don't have any children. <laughs> and Abraham's 100 years old. His wife can't have children. But yet, Abraham was persuaded to live by faith and to hold on to the promise of God, even in the midst of his troubles. That was a reason why his faith was credited, deposited into his faith bank account as righteousness. Because he believed in the promises of God, even though his life circumstance said otherwise. When you and me, when, when, when we look at our life and there are situations that are happening in our life, and we hold, but yet we hold on to the promises of God. then just like Paul said, it's credited to us as righteousness. There are things that I've been praying about for a long, long time. My, my grandmother, my big mama, I've been praying for her since 1984 for her salvation. 14 years old, 1984, started praying for our salvation. I mean, I could probably fill a book the amount of times that I've said a prayer that God would bring salvation to my big mama. But my big mama, she, she don't like to receive things as just a gift without 
without them, her, her, her paying for that. She's, she's worked hard all her life. She was, a, prob- she was a, a family, 13 brothers and sisters. She was a sharecropper. She, she had the outhouse. I mean, tough life. And so because of that, she worked hard for a living. So, so it's very difficult for her to, just to receive that. And because of things that's happened in her life, she's made some bad choices. She doesn't think she deserves it. You know how many big mamas are out there? There's lots. There's lots of big mamas. But I'm holding on. I'm holding on to the prayers that God has caused me to pray for her that my big mama will be saved. I believe that. There's not a week that goes by that I do not pray for her. And by faith, now, my faith cannot, cannot save her. She can't, she can't go into heaven just because she's my grandmother. But there's some, there's some things happening in her life. There's some new people who've entered into her life who, that I'm praying for that God would use. But you may have also, or you may face a situation in your life where you're like, this is a dead end. This, this has nothing good in the end. No good ending. But yet, I'm going to hold on to the promises of God. I've been, you may have been faithful to God in your giving, but may have lost your job, or may have your, country, your, your company have, has uh, cut you back several hours and you're not making the same, but you are believing in God. You're still remaining faithful. You may be sitting there, you have some health issues that you're dealing with right now. And you claim the promises of God, Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes, we are healed. That is a promise. You can lean in on that. And that's going to get God's attention. You think Abraham got God's attention? Absolutely. There are so many things in Abraham's life that got his attention. But a lot of that began even before he had an outward sign of circumcision to show that he's starting the, 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 the Jewish nation. He had faith. Hold on to your faith in the hard times. So how can we be people of faith as I close? How can we be people of faith? First of all, it's kind of a recap. You're, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. For all have sinned. You need to get that through your head right now. Stop. Stop thinking of yourself as the only screw-up in your family or the only screw-up your, in your neighborhood or in your circle of friends. Because... Every address has people who are sinners. Every seat that is sitting here today, every phone, every computer, every device that's watching or listening right now has a person associated with it that is sinning. And you're going to mess up. 
you're going to mess up. So, but, but stop working and start loving. Stop trying to earn your righteousness with your measly amounts of, 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 of good works. Spend time with Jesus. Show your family to Jesus. Before you know it, your life and the fruit of your love for your Savior will show forth in your outward works. Especially in this, in this time where we're so focused on social media and how people look at us. It's an epidemic. And so we're so focused on making sure our life is just right. When on the inside, we're decaying with a cancer of sin. We need to get this right first. Surrender our heart to Jesus and let it cook from the inside out. Let it cook from the inside out. And then believe in, uh, I mean, uh, don't, don't focus any outward signs and then believe in the hope. Put your faith in the hope of Jesus. Put your faith in the hope of Jesus. That's what you do. There are people here today, I believe, and watching or listening online, who you, you have been trying to get some things right. You know there's some things messing up. You, <laughs> you've got some leakage somewhere, and it ain't, and it ain't good. Maybe it's through your anger. Maybe it's through how you treat people. Maybe it's what things you're looking at or listening to. Or maybe it's things you're, you're just constantly thinking about and you're thinking, this is not good for me to have this in my head. And you, you're a mess. And you keep trying to hide your mess. And you keep trying to change your own diaper and it's just not working. And you need to set aside your pride. You need to set aside your pride. You need to come before him with a new diaper and a box of wipes. And say, clean me up. I admit I'm a mess. This is awful. I, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. Jesus will take you in his arms. He will clean you up. He will take your sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west, which never touch. Infinity and beyond, your sin will be cast away from you. And then God remembers it no more. Say, well, what happens if I keep getting it? You keep falling down, you just keep getting up. You confess your sin, it's going to happen, okay? Just like a little child learning to walk. They don't give up, they want to walk. They have an agenda. <laughs> they want to be more mobile so they can mess things up. Yeah, they want to walk. And so your spirit inside you, not the Holy Spirit, but your, your spirit that God has put in every person, your spirit wants to walk in faith. And so 
At this time, just every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a very important time in our, in our service. Uh, we're not going to have music played. The band's not going to come. This is going to be simple. So whether you're, you're listening online or you're watching online, um, if you have a messy diaper and you have a messy self, and if you're ready for God to clean you up, no one looking around, you're ready for God to clean you up. You don't raise your hand. I just want you to look up at me. Make eye contact with me. If you're ready. For God to clean you up. Just make eye contact with me. If that is you, you can say a prayer like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are God's son. I believe you died for me. I'm tired of trying to fix myself. I'm, try, I'm, I'm tired of trying to clean myself. Please come into my life. Please, please cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Please save my soul. And if you're sitting here today also, and maybe you have accepted Christ as Savior, but you're just in a funk. There's some, there's some dirty diapers that are just lingering around, and you're just like, all right, I, I've got I've to do something with this. Really, the problem is you're trying to do something, and, and you haven't surrendered to God. You haven't surrendered to Jesus. You, you're trying to hide that that pail of dirty diapers, and you're like, all right, I, I, need to, I need to surrender. So if that is you today, just, just tell God, I'm sorry for hiding. I need to confess my sin. I need you to clean it up. I need you to take it out. Remove it far from me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody looking this way and watching online, um, if you have accepted Christ as Savior, if you say that prayer, if you just want to have, uh, have questions about what it means to surrender your life to God and, and, and to um, just walk to him, come before him in an act of, of humility with all your stinky self, then just reach out to me, please. Uh, you can either uh, send me an email, pastor at lakepornonline.com or frank at lakepornonline.com. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, just know this, we'll walk with you, we will pray with you, but we want you to um, just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just as you are and stop worrying about fixing yourself because you're never going to do that. Only Jesus can through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come back next week, we're going to dive into Romans Chapter 5. It's going to be good stuff. Love you guys. See you all next week.